on this episode of the Magic Business Podcast. But the main thing, when you're sitting there going, my magic is great, my magic is just as good as everyone who's on that stage right now, the way to do it is to ask. No one will know that you want to do that if you don't let them know. Welcome to the Magic Business Podcast, where we share insightful and delightful inner secrets about the business of magic. This is where magic professionals present their real-life experiences and their most guarded secrets to help further you in your career in magic. I'm your host, Christian Painter. In partnership with the MagicOracle.club, where you can hear all of our magic business podcasts. Eric Tate is a professional magician who lives in Columbus, Ohio. He has won the 2018 IBM Close-Up Magic Championship. He's been on Penn & Teller's Fool Us. And he works primarily in the corporate close-up market. But when he's not doing that, he is a producer for Penguin Magic. He films, directs, edits, and coaches magicians in their magic videos. He is also the voice on the Penguin Magic podcast, and he helps magic creators bring their products to market. Welcome to the show, Eric. Hey, how's it going, Christian? I am kind of excited to have you on today because we're going to be talking about something I really don't know a lot about, and that is uh, selling a trick to a magic company. Sure, sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have a trick you want to sell me? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I might. Uh, but before we before we even start that, could you kind of give uh, the listeners a quick kind of overview of, of who you are in that in, in, with Penguin? Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is Eric Tate. I'm uh, I'm an editor and producer for Penguin Magic. Uh, the best way to think of me is that like when you come to Penguin Magic, I'm the guy you film with, or I'm one of the guys you film with. Uh, so you, your, uh, we, you know, we we take a look at your trick through the submission process. We decide that we want to have you uh, in because Penguin wants to produce it. And then when you actually like when it gets down to the brass tacks of like we're going to do the, we're going to actually make the video uh, of the instructions. I'm the guy that you film it with. Um, so I'm going to direct you. I'm going to film you. I'm one of the camera operators as well as one of the editors. So I'll be the one who does like the first pass on the actual like edit. Like I do the base edit before we like add all of like the fun graphics and everything like that that makes it really cool. I'm, I'm also uh, I, I'm the host of our podcast as well as our live stream. So I got my hands in a lot of pots, um, but uh, I guess I'm best described as a producer. I help sort of move forward products uh, to market with penguin magic i i am already uh, impressed on the amount of thought and and um processes that go on to what you do i don't Thanks. think we, i don't think the normal person knows you know we just think oh someone made a trick they package it up and they sold it and they think that's as far as they think and they don't I, I'm, I'm really um glad you were so uh, good at describing that process then let's start from uh, square one for a moment. Let's say I have a trick. I think it's pretty good. Now what? Well, so the first thing you can do, and I think this is sort of universal across the the way with magic companies, I've, I haven't actually worked uh, closely with the other companies, so I don't know their process, so I can only speak to Penguins, but Penguins is pretty transparent. Um, if there's a there's an area on the website where you can scroll down and it says uh, hatch a trick with Penguin, um, and, uh, and you, or on the very bottom menu bar, it's submit a trick. And so there's an area where you can like go and it will walk you exactly through what we need for, to submit a trick. You know, we need a written description, we need a video performance and we need a video of the method. When you, when you submit it, you, you send all of those things and then a, a creative team looks at it and we 
a lot of us are very knowledgeable um, uh, about different things. You know, I, I work from my sort of studio home office where I've got a, a rather large magic library and I'm constantly consulting my library going when we look at submissions and going, oh, you know what? This is actually a variation on something from Tarbell volume three, or this is a Marlowe thing uh, that's been repackaged or, oh, this is really new. No one's ever done this before. Um, and you're sort of making decisions over like, what are you selling here? Is it a new presentation for an old method? Is this a brand new method? Is this a download? Is it a, is a, is it a, a product, like a physical thing you get in the mail? Um, and all of those are decisions that have to be made and all sort of, you know, and it varies trick to trick and there's no good rule of thumb, but the first thing to do is just to submit the trick. And, and do you have, do you have people who maybe have submitted two, three, four times before finally you go, this is a good one? Oh Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we have a lot of people who submit, who've submitted dozens of tricks and the, the, the tricks that they submitted in the past just weren't, weren't great submissions either because someone else got there first in a parallel thinking type thing. That's happened to me. You know, it's kind of funny as that parallel. Sometimes when you see Hollywood, two different uh, companies, kind of the same sort of movie. Yeah. That's kind of scary. And, and, yeah. Uh, and it happens in magic all the time. Is there a rule of thumb you can tell me if you're looking if you're going down this rabbit hole, then probably don't send that. I, you know, I don't have anything like that. You know, levitation tricks are really popular for people to send, um, and very often it's a variation on some other hookup, or uh, we happen to know somebody's work and it's it's somebody else's work, and they're and they're submitting it to us, or it is very similar to someone else's work, then we can't we can't take it. Um, but levitation tricks are really popular, so um, you, you know submit them. I mean, obviously you said you do have uh, times where people just don't realize that they have copied another performer. Yeah. Um, but you don't normally run into problems with people who are actually stealing, we'll say, from another performer. No. And I, I think we have an internal vetting process that's pretty good at that. You know, the, I mean, when you look at people on the creative team, the, the, the breadth of knowledge is pretty wide, but also pretty deep. Okay. Uh, you know, and a couple of us have pretty significant libraries and extensive history in magic, you know, and also you've got people who've been in the magic industry for years and years and years. Um, so it's usually when you see something where you're like, oh, this is a variation on this work. It's not out and out theft or plagiarism. It's literally just somebody playing around and discovering a concept that they did not realize was already out there. So now I've submitted something to you. You guys are interested. Eric says, this is a nice variation uh what's going to happen next uh we'll reach out to you and we'll work out the details on the economics um uh, i'm not going to talk about that on this podcast but there's you know we work out different deals with people mm -hmm. uh so that uh you get paid we get paid um and everybody is is made whole uh the following thing that happens is we um we we work with you to make a decision whether or not you're going to be coming out here to actually uh film with us and and put you on camera or if it is something where it actually makes more sense to have Nick LaCampo present it or me present it or Dan Harlan present it. Um, and, and there's a lot of different things that may go into that. So once we go to that, we'll, we'll make the decision to, uh, to film the instructional video. We'll get that done. Uh, at the same time, you're also making the decision as to whether or not it's a physical product or if it's a download only. Once that, if, if we decide to make a gimmick, we might film another small video with you that's internal only that's just like how to make it. So if your if your gimmick is something that you have made over and over again, like you might film something for us, and then our manufacturing team will take it and figure out the most efficient way to make a lot of them. Oh, so I don't even have to make my gimmick anymore. You you will have a team that can do, that can do that. 
it, it, it that is all trick to trick. It okay. all depends. You know, like so a, a trick that just came out was uh, Paul V Hill's uh, CSB. That's Paul V Hill's co- uh, copper silver brass. Well, it uses a specialized set of coins, and Paul's not going to mill down <laughs> coins. It's just <laughs> right. not in Paul's wheelhouse, right? Maybe it is something that you produce a lot of because you are just like really good at it, or mm-hmm. you've been selling it at lectures for years, and now you want to take it to a wider market and so it's just like you can provide it with us it, it, it all everything gets worked out trick to trick no I, I like how you said it because in my mind when I said gimmick I was thinking some piece of plastic that I cut out of a piece of plastic and you went right to oh you know we need a, a, a lathe or something and I'm like, wow, we're in different worlds. But you're, but I guess you're right. We don't know what that gimmick is or what level we're working. Well, the, and the gimmicks vary like all over the place, right? So we have a very talented group of people in the manufacturing department. Um, Ring in the Bell is a really good idea, example of a product that we put out last year. Uh, that it was actually, I think it came out this year. Maybe it was last year. It's a bell. It's a it's a ring flight where the ring appears on the clapper of the bell, right? So our team had to source the bells disassemble the bells put all of the secret stuff inside of the bells then put them back together right Mm -hmm. um you could do that yourself and you and i can talk about that uh in self-producing an effect because that's it's easier than ever to self-produce effect even with complicated or unusual props um but our team was able to do that you know and you know obviously that affects the deal because you've got to you know it is ethical to pay the person who manufactures the gimmick particularly if they work for you um, so you have to factor all of that cost into the final thing. Well, I'm, you know, we're going back to cost for a moment. I know you, you were a little cagey, and I understand why you don't want to quite say, talk about money. But I, I do want to bring out, because I think a lot of people think they bring a trick or a book or something to, to, to you to market, and they think somehow, I'm okay, that's my Tesla right there. I'll be buying a Tesla. What's the reality? Uh, I mean, the the reality is that the magic market is not huge. Um, we are not selling, um, uh, you know, we're not selling iPhones here. We're we're, se- we're selling <laughs> we're selling mark cards to nerds um, is what we're doing. Uh, so uh, I think that you have the ability to do well, and you will get out of it what you put into it. Any major, so any major magic company is gonna is you know that y- you are. You are not going to be making as much um, when you produce it in partnership with a, a major magic company as you would if you self-produced it. Now, um, or your 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 final profit may not be the same, and and let's let's just break that down a little bit. Whether you go with us or any other company to produce it, what you also have to keep in mind is the logistics portion of it, right? Because producing it is only one part of it, right? Now you have to market it to a group of people. Do you have a list with? X number of magicians who might be interested in this product that you can efficiently communicate with them to. Okay, now you've communicated with these uh, these people who are your potential customers. Do you have a warehouse with a group of people who is going to uh, package that up into a box that that is going to then go into the mail via USPS or FedEx or whatever it is and make it safely to the end customer, right? Are, are you going to do that? And can you handle the volume, right? Because on day one of sales, when when a lot of, you know, let's say you've been hyping it for weeks. Let's say you do have the social media presence to be able to get a lot of people just like very interested in this, in this product. Uh, and, and let's say you're going to sell 
I, I don't know. Let's say you sell, uh, you're going to sell a thousand units on the first day, right? Do you have the ability? Do you personally have the ability to get a thousand units in the mail that day and get them uh, shipped out to people? Well, well, first of all, Eric, I'd say most of us don't have a, a list where we're even going to be able to sell a thousand units in the first month, much less the first day. So, yeah. Um, so that's and that's but but that's part of what you're paying for when you bring your product to somebody else. Exactly. And so when you're when you're working when you're trying to like look at the way the economics work out and you're like, well, you know, well it costs this and I'm making this, what is the disparity there? Well, you're you're making stuff up in volume. But you you, you can do well. And if you if you self-promote it, you can make a lot more people aware of it and generate buzz about it, and then it's just gonna have other people doing sort of word of mouth stuff. I, I can look at the products that did very well this year and I go, oh, well, this particular person was very good at self-promoting it. And also they reached out to very influential magicians and shared samples with them and said, would you mind reviewing this product on your YouTube or on your Instagram? Would you, is this something that you would, you know, share with people that, that helps you. So you're looking at, you're looking at a difference between you can get a higher profit margin selling, self-producing something yourself, but you may want to sacrifice some of that margin in order to make a volume because the volume is going to, is going to do better for yourself. Well, it you know? might also come down to, and I'm going to guess it. There's really two reasons to, to maybe more than two, but two main reasons. One would be uh, for money, but the other one would be for recognition in the magic community. Oh yeah, there's no doubt that having a, a, a product produced by a sort of notable and and re- reputable magic company will definitely help you out uh, as far as like your next thing. And this is what I said to people even before I joined Penguin. So before your listeners started sort of going, oh, he's a he's a Penguin guy. This is why he's saying this. This is what I've always said. You can you can ask people. I always say, no, go buy it from the distributor. And the reason for that is because if I have a hit trick with a distributor that more people are buying it from them, then the next time I submit a trick to that producer, they're going to go, well, this is the guy who brought me that trick that sold, you know, that flew off the shelves. So obviously I'm going to say yes to this. Because the people who would submit a trick to you, because that's really the direction we're going here is submitting a trick to you is I no longer have to worry about, um, oh, I'm going to put it in a manila manila envelope and and run it through my printer to say it's this trick. You guys are going to take care of all that, right? You're going to create the great marketing packaging and all that. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, because we because we have a we have a very talented designers on staff. We have people who are accomplished in sales. We have people who who know how to design packaging correctly, um, uh, in a way that would be appealing to the customer. Um, but also, I would say that if you're going to self produce a trick, it's not that hard to do that. And I'll just again speaking from my own experience here with Ultra Lucky Coin, uh, when I set out to produce that, I knew I knew the original version of it was like. Uh, garbage poker chip you bought from walmart and then i had like found out that you could source crazy thin magnets uh from uh, this from china Mm -hmm. uh because a lot of rare earth elements come from china so it's a lot easier to get them to make you know sort of insane magnets uh so the 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 magnet was sort of the breakthrough um and then when i went well i want to make this nicer i sourced a poker chip manufacturer because as it turns out you can get on the jujil and you can uh, you can search for poker chip manufacturers who will make you custom poker chips for not very much money. So I started talking to them like personally, and then I I went to a friend of mine who I knew was an artist, because when people look at these things, they go, "Well, how do you make this great art?" Well, you don't make it; you pay someone to make it. And if it's 2020, if you don't have a friend who's a graphic designer, I don't know where you live. Um, 
it, it, the graphic designers are easy to find, uh, very talented ones too, and and they'll they'll work with you on stuff. Um, but seriously, liberal arts majors have been around for forever. You know a graphic designer. <laughs> or a quick um, trip so, on Fiverr will probably yeah, find you. Yeah, exactly. And so you can sort of describe what you want. You can work with them to, to get that done for, for, you know, you pay them because that is the ethical and important thing to do. So then I went down to the packaging and I went, oh, well, what, what do I want to put this in? And someone uh, pointed out that makeup tins uh, were really affordable. And so I, I went onto a, a wholesale website that sold uh, tins for makeup. So the, the, the packaging that Ultra Lucky Coin comes in is a sticker that I bought off of Sticker Mule, where I, I had art designed. I sent the PDF to them. They make it a roll of stickers. And then I bought uh, uh, these makeup tins that are aluminum that screw top together. And then I put the I put the poker chip in it. I scrunched up some like craft paper, which I got, you know, at a uh, office depot i think or maybe even some of it would came in some of the packaging from the poker chips that i got sourced <laughs> so i was reusing i was recycling there and then i slapped um the sticker on the top and uh and screwed it all together and it looks great it looks like so it looks like something you would buy at, off of a like a shelf in a magic shop like a professionally produced thing but i did all of that by googling the different parts and pieces that i wanted and then assembling them for for not a whole lot of money and the, and the most investment I had was my time, you know, because I right. hand assembled every single one of those. And that made me think about how I should assemble this. And so when I do version two, which will be coming out soon, it's going to be a lot easier for me to manufacture it. I can tell you that. I, right there, I think what you just talked about here near the end of this podcast is uh, really something I think people can grasp. This is, I don't think people understand how. A, how much work it could take to do this, but also that, it, but you can do it. And and I sometimes uh, am surprised how many people don't realize Google is like amazing. You can learn so much. But like you said, it's the work. And now you just have to make a decision. Do I want Penguin to do it or do I want to do it myself? And if you're going to, if you want to lecture, then this is something, these are skills you should learn because the, the fee for lecturing at a convention or at an IBM ring or an SAM assembly is very small um, it, because they, there's these, these events and these organizations are not working with a lot of money. Where you make your money on lectures is merch. And there is and there, I've seen a noticeable difference when, in lectures when I walk in with stuff that I spent the time to make look good versus the stuff that was like shoved into Ziploc bags and printed at Kinko's that like – I used to show up to a lecture and it looked like I forgot that I needed merch until the night before. <laughs> yeah, we've been to those lectures. Oh, yeah. And it's like, you know, the material in them is good, but I like regret buying it when I'm like, I go home and I'm like going to put it with the rest of my like magic collection. Right. Mm -hmm, right. And, and the, when I put it next to these like beautiful books that have been produced by Hermetic Press, I don't I don't want those notes next to them. No, we all have that. We all have that basket that we have of all the comb bound booklets in. Yeah. And so, and when, when at the end of your lecture, when someone finishes your, you could have the greatest lecture in the world. And if they walk up to your table and it's like two sets of like computer printed notes with clip art on the front, they're going to be, they're going to be really disappointed. They may not buy it. Right. But right. if if it's got like custom artwork and the, the cover is like a nice linen and they open it up and it's all laid out, spelled correctly, the font's interesting. It's, it, you can, A, you can charge more for that because you spent the time and energy to make it look good but b you're gonna get a sale right and right. losing the sale you know if you lose the sale that's money you left on the table eric we're coming to the end of the podcast this is where i put you under pressure i ask this question for to everybody and that is you're obviously 
you know, an expert at bringing a product to market. And I'm sure a lot of people have asked you a ton of questions uh, when they're thinking about doing it. But what's the one question they never seem to ask, but they, but they should be asking? What is that question? I started showing up at conventions sort of in 2017, 2018. I started showing up at the convention circuit, doing a lot of lectures, getting rebooked at conventions, uh, getting or getting getting asked to come back to conventions, uh, being at a convention and asking, being asked to lecture next year. And and a lot of people said, man, man, I wish I could lecture at a convention. I wish I could lecture. Uh, how, how, man, I wish I could do that. And they, they stop right there and they go, I wish that I could lecture. Um, and the, they don't ask the question, how do I get? booked to lecture um because it's because this is like a recent thing in my life right this is i i had a day job where i was at a um where i was at a manufacturing company you know punching a clock sit behind a desk eating weird sandwiches and the the answer to that question is you ask right if you've been to a convention for for years and years uh and you get to know the convention organizer just say hey um do you have any interest in me giving a lecture you know at, at this convention maybe not next year but the year after that um and they, they may go, oh, do you have a lecture? And the answer is, uh, the answer is yes, you, you put together a lecture for you to, to be able to put out there. But you got to practice that lecture too and, and before, you, before you get to the level you're in conventions. And uh, the, the way you do that is you lecture at IBM rings and SAM assemblies and magic clubs. And how do you get booked there? The, the answer is you ask. You, the, the IBM, uh, who I'm a member of, uh, and I have lectured at dozens and dozens of, of IBM rings. And the way, I, the way I got to lecture at those rings was I went onto the IBM's website and I found where they have a sortable list of every IBM ring in the world. You can sort by region. You can get down to state level. Uh, I think you need to get down to county level in, in the U.S. And, you, and every one of those has the contact information for the ring president. And so you draft a very nice letter introducing yourself, giving any credentials you have, saying the type of magic you have, and asking if the, the ring would be interested in you giving a lecture. And Keep in mind, the first couple of lectures you're going to do are probably free, but that's why you spent all of that time working on that merch so that you cover your gas in your hotel. Um, if you're lucky, they'll, they'll offer you the, the, the lecture, uh, a lecture fee. Um, even to this day, um, I, I'm an award-winning magician who's been on television and works for one of the largest magic companies in the world. And when I go to lecture for an IBM ring now, some of them just don't have a budget for that. And so I will know that I can sell my products at the, that I've self-produced at that lecture to, to cover the cost of me going to the lecture and doing it. And the lecture is essentially a pitch for my products. Hey, did you like this trick? Cool. Here's where you can get all the work on it. Um, but the main thing when you're going, when, when you're sitting there going, my magic is great. My magic is just as good as everyone who's on that stage right now. I wish I could lecture. The way to do it is to ask because no one, no one will know that you want to do that. If you don't let them know. There you go. Boom. Perfect. Eric, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, Christian. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to our Magic Business Podcast. Please visit the magicoracle.club where you can hear all of our Magic Business Podcasts and enjoy a vast array of additional magical knowledge. We'd like to leave you with this quote from Asif Ali. You will never be criticized by someone who is doing more than you. You will only be criticized by someone doing less than you. As always, we at the Magic Oracle wish you continued success on your path in the magical arts.